Well, we're going to get into the Word this morning, and we're going to continue with this series. It may be actually the end of it, but we've been talking about our unity with Christ and the reality that we're united together with Him. And uh, so on, on Wednesday, we kind of dealt with a few more aspects of that. And trust me when I say that we're not going to exhaust every single portion or every single part of what it means to be united with Christ and to be seated with him, but it at least give us some, some good foundational truth and get us along the way a little bit further than where we might have been, and we can kind of look into those things as we continue to grow in this truth and this revelation. Jesus is speaking to the Father. This truly is the Lord's Prayer in John chapter 17. We, we talk about the Lord's Prayer, and it's uh, Matthew chapter 6, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But really, that's not the Lord's prayer. Jesus is telling us how it is that we should pray. But if we want to look at the Lord's prayer in reality and in truth, it's located in John chapter 17. So why don't you turn there this morning uh, real quick, and let's take a look at this again. Jesus now, this truly is He's praying the Lord's Prayer. This is a, a prayer that the high priest Jesus is praying over himself, and he's praying over his disciples. And then he goes over into the 20th verse, and he says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us. Why? Here's the reason, that the world would see that you have sent me. So this reality that we've been brought into a relationship with the God of all flesh, the God of the universe, and we've been welcomed into and been put into Jesus Christ according to the word of God. And the purpose for this is twofold. One, that we would be inseparable from him and we would realize that he's in us and we're in him. And then two, we would understand this and receive this revelation that the world would know that Jesus was sent. Now that's important because <laughs> there are people today that just get up and go. Now I'm not talking about the Aerosmith song that says your get up and go must have got up and went. I'm talking about there are people that just for whatever reason they just get up and go do their own thing. No one has sent them. No one has commissioned them. There's no submission. There's no relationship. There's no covering. They just get up and go. That is not a biblical pattern. It never has been a biblical pattern. It's not going to be a biblical pattern tomorrow. They're to be sent. And it's not good enough for you to just say, well, the Holy Ghost said so. Somebody besides you needs to acknowledge that you're called and that they're in relationship with you as a covering and they send you. We don't give you permission, per se, to operate, but we acknowledge that there's something here for you to do. Well, Jesus was sent on purpose by the Father. Amen. And part of that reason is he came to seek and save those who were lost. Part of the reason that we need to understand this unity that we have with the Father is that the world would know that Jesus was sent on purpose by someone. He wasn't just out doing his own thing. He was sent on purpose by the Father. Amen? Praise God. So we'll continue reading. It says, In the glory, verse 22, which you gave me, I have given them. Who is the them in the context? It's you and I, those of us who believe because of the disciples' word. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. So we're one with each other, we're one with Jesus, and we're one with the Father. We have this relationship 
with him. Amen? 1 John says it this way, same, same guy, just a different writing. He says it by the Holy Spirit, that we have fellowship with each other. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. We've been brought into relationship with God. We've been brought into right standing with God, which is absolutely paramount. And we're desiring, praise God, to do things God's way. Amen? Turn over to Ephesians chapter 1 real quick. I want you to see this scripture. And uh, I was quoting this in the prayer, and, uh, but the Lord just kind of put it on my spirit to, to read it and to look at this for just a moment. So Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to read in the 15th verse. The Apostle Paul is praying for the church by the unction and the will of the Holy Spirit. He's telling him, the Apostle Paul, he, the Holy Spirit, is telling him, the Apostle Paul, to pray for the believers in Ephesus. And this prayer still works and applies for you and I today. Amen. He says, therefore, verse 15, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you making mention for you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him for a reason, for a purpose, that your understanding would be open, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. To what? That we would know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And three, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Now, here is what that working did for Jesus, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand above all, everybody say all, above all principality and power and might and dominion. That's pretty good seating. That's a good, pretty good position, isn't it? So the working of God's mighty power was wrought in Christ when he raised him up from the dead. But when he raised him up from the dead, he seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Not just barely above, not just barely making it, not just barely able, not just barely one step, but far above all, everybody say all, principality, all power, all might, in all dominion. And then it goes even further and he says, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he, God, put all, say all, all things under his, Jesus' feet, and gave him, Jesus, to be head over all things to the church. To the who? To the church. So if I, now we, we're at the end here, and we understand that in the original writing that there were not chapter and verse, so the Apostle Paul is on one by the Holy Ghost, and he's saying some wonderful, wonderful things to us. They put these things in Scripture and verse for us, so that way we could better reference them as we're quoting them, and they put them in Scripture and verse, so that way we could better reference them when we're learning them. But the original conversation doesn't end at the end of this verse 22. 23, it begins to turn into something more. He gave Christ to be head over all things to the church, 23, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And you, he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin. 
And once you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the flesh. Excuse me, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, we have been saved. Verse 6, this is important. This is the connection that it moves beyond that Jesus is in this place, and it's I'm in this place with him. Now, it's important for us to see this connection, but it's also important for us to keep the context. So I want you to see this verse just a moment. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. And raised us up together, and made us sit together, Amen. In heavenly places in Christ. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created. The Amplified Version says recreated. We've been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So again, the context shows us, and he made us alive, and he raised us up, and he caused us to be seated. Well, if Jesus, just a question, if Jesus is seated in a position of authority that is far above all principality, in all power, in all might, in all dominion, and he, God, caused us, me and you, to be seated with Christ in that position of being far above all principality, all power, in all might, in all dominion, then where is it, do you suppose, that you and I should walk? And where is it, do you suppose, that you and I should live? In a position, I'm subjecting here a question to you, in a position of being beat on, overrun, and overcome? Or in a position of being triumphant more than and victorious in, in causing us to triumph in Christ because we're in Christ. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. So we have to see this union that we have with God. He's been brought into this relationship. The reason for it is that the world would know that Jesus was sent to earth. And he was sent to earth on purpose by the Father that the world would know this. And he brought us into relationship and he brought us into fellowship by us receiving by faith the truth of what God has done for humanity. And the moment that we do that, it doesn't matter what addictions we're still trying to work out of our life. It doesn't matter what hardships or attitudes or mentalities that we're trying to overcome and get rid of. The moment that any human being receives Jesus Christ, that very moment, he has made us to come back to life in Christ. He has raised us up. He has seated us in Christ in heavenly places. In that position, if we're in Christ, we have no other ability. And we have no other position in no other place but to be far above. Come on, church. Far above all principality, all power, all might, and all dominion. There's no other place for you and I to be. We'd have to step out of, but we can't, Christ. But we can't do that. 
So I asked a question to you today, which, you know, this, this, is, this is what we do with our position in Christ. Now, I've had people say this to me before. Well, you, you teach the Word of God, and you bring the truth of God's Word, and you turn the light on for us by the Holy Spirit. But where's the application? This is the application. As a result of you being seated in Christ, far above principality, power, might, and dominion, you have the ability to be able to say, I am victorious over this attack. I am triumphant over this battle. I may go through a through, the operative word is through, I may go through a battle. I may go through a trial. I may face tribulation, but I have overcome by the word of my testimony and by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? No matter what it is, the vantage point that you and I approach any obstacle, the vantage point that we approach this obstacle is one of victory, one of overcoming, one of being triumphant, one of being a conqueror. Yes. Amen? And I'm here to tell you this morning that the, the power that is in the name of Jesus has not lost. It has not dwindled. It has not been lost. It's still there. The same power that God placed and the authority that God placed and it was imputed into the name of Jesus Christ is still here today. The name of Jesus, E.W. Kenyon says, has not lost any of the power of the man who bore it. The name of Jesus has not lost any of the power of the man who bore it. The power of God and the authority of the completed sacrifice of Jesus Christ is put into his name, and we have been given his name, Philippians chapter 2 tells us, to operate in this life. So for you and for me to be discouraged constantly, for you and for me to be overcome constantly, for you and for me to be just constantly, I have no idea what I'm going to do. I'm at the end of my anything. I don't know how it's going to work. And constantly in that state, we, we have to do something about that. God has already done everything that he can. He, he raised us up from the dead. He caused us to be seated in Christ in heavenly places. And he gave us the same dominion and the same authority, the same power over all, not some, but all of the principality, power, might, and dominion of the enemy. Amen? But this is how we overcome. And this is what we do with that. It's, it, this is the application. We take the reality of God's word that's been given to us, and then we do something with it. Look at your neighbor and say, do something with it. Just elbow somebody and say, you've got to do something with it. Let's do something with it. Do something with it. See, and, and there, there are preachers, there are ministers that they say, you know, you've got to constantly be in this place of taking a, taking a look at your life and, and taking a look at what you're going through and taking a look at what you're facing. And they're, they're constantly saying that you've got to do or be or do or be or do or be. Man, the work is done. There's nothing more for you to do except for just live in the completed work of the Lord Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved. For by grace we have been saved. You believe in hyper grace? I believe in biblical grace, and that's pretty hyper. Are, are you here? I said I believe in biblical grace, and that's wild. I mean, it really is amazing. We should leave it alone. It's amazing enough just how it is. Amen. We have to get into a place where we're not trying to get the victory and trying to overcome and trying to maintain and laboring to do. 
and we just stand up on our feet and say, bless God, I'm alive today, I'm awake today, I have victory over the devil today, he is defeated by Jesus a long time ago, and it's still good today. The power of God has not been taken away from the name of Jesus. And the name of Jesus still has the same power of the man who bore it. Jesus walked on serpents and treaded on scorpions, and he told you and I that we should do the same exact thing. Amen? Hebrews chapter 2, we're going to read a couple of scriptures here, and then we'll wind this down. Is this all right so far? Well, I'm having fun preaching it. I like to hear the truth. I don't know about you. You know, John, the apostle, he's, he's lived almost 90 years by the time he writes 1 John. And he says some powerful things to the church, to the brethren that he's writing to. But one of the things he says, I have no greater joy. Now think about that statement. This man watched Jesus be crucified. This man watched Jesus be baptized. He was one of the first who got to the tomb after the women saw that he was gone. The Bible says that, that <laughs> when John writes it, he says, and Peter and the apostle that Jesus loved, speaking of himself ran into the tomb. He witnessed the resurrected Christ firsthand. He was there when Jesus talked and appeared to over 500 men. He was there and, and witnessed with his own. That's why he started the letter by saying, the things that we have seen, the things that we have heard, the things that we've experienced, these are the things that we're saying to you. This man saw some stuff, would you agree? But at the end of it, he says, I have no greater joy than to see my children Walking in truth. Mind blown. That brought him more joy than watching Jesus ascend into heaven. That brought him more joy than being at the day of Pentecost and watching the spirit of the living God rush into humanity, appear upon the people in clothes of, of flaming tongues of fire and watch the power of God move. That brought him more joy than seeing the 3,000 saved in one day and 5,000 the next. 8,000 people in a weekend is not a bad start for a church. <laughs> Probably get a couple of things done with 8,000 people. Are you here? But he said, I have no greater joy than to know or to see that my children walk in truth. In truth. So this morning we're talking about the truth of what God has done for us. The truth about what Jesus has done and overcame the enemy and death. Amen. Hebrews chapter 2, and we're going to read here. Verse 5. For he has not put the world to come, of which we speak, in subjection to angels. But one testified in a certain place, saying, What is man that you are mindful of him? This is the psalmist David. Or the son of man that you take care of him. You have made him a little lower than angels. The literal word there is Elohim, which is God. It's not angels, it's Elohim. You've made him a little lower than God. And you have crowned him, verse 7, with glory and honor and set him all over all the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. You get that? He left nothing that is not put under him. Again, I just want to ask this question, where are you? Where are you? You're what? You're seated in him. 
So nothing special about you, but something really special about the Christ that's in you. Then according to this, see that he's left nothing that is not under you. If you're seated in him, this isn't just someday in heaven and for eternity. This is for the here and the now. Amen. Amen. For in him, excuse me, for in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him, but now we do not yet see all things put under him. So there's still a few things that God is going to finish. Death forever will be triumphed one day forever. No one will ever die again ever. Amen. And the enemy will finally be cast into, and all those who are following him, the, the fallen angels, will be cast into the lake of fire, and Jesus is going to lock him away forever. Amen? Verse 9. But we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. But we see Jesus, who was a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, listen to this statement, by the grace of God. Have you ever thought about, I don't know if you, this is a new verse to you or not, but have you ever thought about what that is saying to you and to me? The grace of God manifest in this particular application is that Jesus would die on the cross and taste death for everyone. What a powerful statement. By the, he did it, it was by the grace of God that he, Jesus, would taste death for everyone, me and you. Amen? For 10, for it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by all, whom all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through the suffering. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified, excuse me, sanctified, are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Saying, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. And again, 13, I will put my trust in him. And again, here am I in the children whom God has given me. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same. In other words, he was born too. He put on flesh. He's partaken. He's also been sacrificed and paid for the ultimate price. And we've partaken of that, that through death, through death, he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who, through fear of death, were all their lifetime subject to bondage. The Rotherham's translation, it's an emphasized version of the Bible, it says, in order that through death he might paralyze him that held the dominion of death, that is the adversary. Verse 14, again, that through Jesus' death, through death, Jesus might destroy him. I want you to listen to the words that I'm going to be saying here over the next couple of minutes. The New King James Version says, destroy him. Rotherham's translation says, paralyze him. Weymouth is another translation. It says, in order that that through death he might render powerless, render powerless, paralyze, destroy, w render powerless him who had authority over death. That is, the devil, the, the American Standard Version says that through death he might bring to naught, bring to nothing. 
him that had the power of death, that is the devil. I want you to get a picture of what Jesus did to the devil. He destroyed him. He rendered him powerless. Amen? He brought him to nothing. He brought him to naught. Amen? He paralyzed him. The Living Bible, and I'll just end with this one on, on this point. For as many as a human being could he die, and he die and dying break the power. He broke the power of the devil. He, he would break the power. He would paralyze. He would render him powerless. He would bring him to naught. He would destroy him. Colossians tells us that he removed the handwriting of requirements that were contrary to us, taking them out of the way and nailing them to his cross. And then it says that he threw, well, it doesn't say this, but this is the, the, the literal translation of what Paul is saying. He took authority ring and stuck it through his nose and he walked him through the corridors of time and eternity. That's what they did in a triumphant situation. One king would go to the highest seat of authority of another nation and throw a ring through his nose, the septum, and literally throw a chain link through it and drag him through the street. Not the street of his kingdom, the one that they came from to conquer, but the one that he used to reign. And say, this is your king. This is the one that you are serving. I have conquered him. I have triumphed over him. I have authority over him. And in front of his subjects. What do you mean, Pastor Brian? What, what I mean this morning is, is that Satan knows what Jesus did to him. And in front of Satan's subjects, that would be the fallen angels. They all know what Jesus did. Here's the kicker. Sad but true. Most of the church doesn't. Jesus desired to openly show, to make a spectacle of him. That's what the Bible tells us in the New King James Version. To openly show, to make an open spectacle of him and dragging him, parading him through time and eternity that every demon and every devil from hell, that every evil, that every principality, that every power and might and dominion would see Jesus leading him around by a ring in his nose and saying, you, you're serving a conquered king. The issue for us is we've got to believe that this really happened. And we've got to believe that we're really seated with him. We've got to believe that this is a practical application of what you and I can do in our position, in our seating, in our unity that we have with God the Father and with Jesus Christ the Son. We are triumphant and victorious. We're seated in him. We have the same power. Jesus did the work. We received the blessing. Jesus did the battle. We received the victory. Amen. Jesus fought the war. We reigned triumphant and victorious. We've got to see ourselves placed in Christ far above principality, far above power and might and dominion. So that thing that's been bugging you and trying to stick at you and poke at you, you can just wake up tomorrow and the spiritual warfare ideology that says I'm going to go to battle is absurd. What are you going to do? You can't punch a demon. You can't, you can't shoot a devil. 
Noah asked me the other day if he could shoot the devil with my gun. Yes, I have guns. Not just these ones. <laughs> Boom. And I said, no, you can't, you, can't, you can't shoot a demon. You can't shoot the devil. But the point is we don't have to. He's already been triumphed over. He's already been overcome. He's already been rendered as nothing. He's been rendered powerless. Amen? And so what you and I have to do is we wake up every morning and say, hey, I'm alive here on planet earth. I'm ruling and I'm reigning in this life by one Christ Jesus. I have authority over all of the ability of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm me. Oh, that's just preacher talk. No, that's Jesus talk. That's for you and for me. And the enemy tries to, to bug you and to trip you up and to hurt you and to harm you and to discourage you and to distract you with busyness and with discouragement and with fear. And this is falling apart and that's falling apart. And how are we going to make it all come together? And oh my God, what are we going to do? Jesus, help. And God's just saying, did you not remember? He's been defeated. Amen. He's been triumphed over. He's been rendered powerless. He's been brought to naught. So what's the application again of our unity? This is one application of our realizing our position and our seating in Christ. He, he left nothing that was not placed underneath him. And we're in him. It's just, it's just a Bible. You know what I found out about some Christians? They, they have a problem with it because it, they don't really adhere to it. But it's the Bible. I'm not making it up. It's in your lap or on your device. You brought it with you. I didn't put the words in there. Are you here? We can overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We don't have to deal with discouragement. We don't have to deal with depression. We don't have to deal with fear. And people say, well, what about sickness? Is that God telling us something or trying to teach us a lesson? No, it has no power and it has no right and you can stand. Well, does that mean that you're against medical science and doctors? No, of course not. I'll take a healing. Man, when I'm in pain, I'll get out of it any way I can. But I can see absolutely that Jesus has taken stripes on his body that my body could be healed. Well, if I don't get healed, do I have some uh, unconfessed or hidden sin? No, you silly thing. No. Where is that in the book? Isn't it funny what people believe? There's no, it's not even in the book. What do you, how did, where did that come from? Well, and if it's God's will to heal everybody, then why is anybody sick? Well, that's just as silly as the first thing that you said. We appropriate the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to our own life by faith. And some have developed faith in some areas where maybe they haven't in other areas and no one judges them. So if you need an Advil, take an Advil. Or if you need a Tylenol, take a Tylenol. If you need a Vicodin, see a doctor. Let them give you the prescription. I have no greater joy than to see my children walking in truth. I, I'm telling you the truth today. Amen. And, amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 says, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. Paul's telling the church in Corinth, 
the rulers of this age, every single day that the church wakes up and says, hey, jingle, 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 I'm alive, I'm well, I'm on planet earth, and I'm here to exercise authority, then the rulers of this age are coming to nothing. The only power that the enemy has in the life of a Christian is that which the Christian allows. Not, not gives him, allows. Big difference. And people say, well, God allows. No, you allow. God does not allow, you allow. I allow, we allow. The only power the enemy has in our life is that which we allow. The enemy, the powers of this age, the rulers of this age are coming to nothing. James Moffat is a, is a, a Bible translator, and Moffat's translation says it this way. It says, the dethroned powers, so they're already defeated, are coming to nothing. The dethroned powers who rule this world are coming to nothing. They've been kicked off their throne. And they're just trying to scurry and scamper and just pest and bug and we can just kick them. The devil is not as strong as you think he is. He's not as powerful as you think he is. He can't be both. He can't be this one version of someone's imagination and what the Bible says about him. He just can't be both. He can't be both. He either had his hind end tore up from the floor up forever, or he's spreading his wings and wreaking havoc on whole entire regions of the world. But he can't be both. Now, if there's no Christian, if there's no believer... If no one will stand and say, hey, bless God, you're not going to mess around in my community. I'm a child of God. I'm a son or a daughter of God. If there's no light, then darkness can rule. But even small little glimmers. I like the, I like the Bible verse that says that if we submit to God and resist, submit to God, and resist, submit to God. That's the part that is the prerequisite if we submit to God and then resist the devil, not just go resisting without submitting, but if we submit and then resist, then he will flee from us. And I believe it's the amplified version that says, as in terror. He's afraid of you. You don't have to be afraid of him. Are you here? Amen. Jesus has already brought the ruler of this age to nothing. Again, we, taught, we started at the very beginning and we dealt with Ephesians chapter 1. It says far above. And those same principalities and power and might and dominion that's mentioned in Ephesians chapter 1 is mentioned again in Ephesians chapter 6. And we beat the devil the same way that Jesus did. We just stand in faith and realize I've overcome you. Amen. Colossians chapter 2 says Jesus disarmed principalities and powers and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. J.B. Phillips translation. I've given you a lot of different Bible translations today. Is everybody okay? I'm, try, I'm, try, I'm doing everything I can up here to help you. Doing everything I can up here to help you get this in part of what it is that God's trying to say about you and to you. The J.B. Phillips translation says, He has forgiven you all your sins. Isn't that awesome news? He's forgiven you all your sins. He's utterly, this is, this is Colossians chapter 2. He has utterly wiped out the written evidence of broken commandments. 
Mind blown. He has utterly wiped out the written evidence of broken commandments which hung over our heads. He has completely annulled it by nailing it to the cross and then having drawn having drawn from this 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 the sting Philip says what what sting is he talking about the sin of the law the sin of realizing that you failed again and failed again and failed again and failed again so he drew out the sting from it for you and for me that's a pretty good good father amen <laughs> having drawn out the sting of all the powers and authorities that raged against us, he exposed them shattered, empty, and defeated. In his own triumphant victory. One more time, I want you to get this and see this. The application is, if he's shattered, if he's broken and defeated if he's been rendered powerless and broken, amen, if he's been brought to naught, if he's been destroyed and he's been paralyzed, then you can stand, rather sit, in your position in Christ. And you can wake up tomorrow and you can do it today. You can do it uh, in the rain and on a train. You can even do it when you're eating green eggs and ham if you want. But you can say, bless God, I'm not going to live minding the devil in discouragement, in confusion, in depression. I'm going to live in a position where by the name of Jesus, the devil and principalities and powers and might and dominion have to mind me. According to the word, they've got to mind the word. They've got to mind me. So the application, again, is what are you doing with your position and your being placed in Christ and being seated in Christ? Well, uh, I don't know. I, mean, I thought God was... No, God already did it. So what are we doing? Amen. This this probably the end of this sermon series, although we could just keep going and going and going with this. But we're brought into oneness and relationship and unity with him for a reason. That we could walk in fellowship with God, that we can walk in right standing with God, that we could have hope and have peace and have joy and have strength, that we could bear fruit out of the result of our being one with Christ, that we could have authority over all the ability of the enemy. Amen? Did you get anything out of it this morning? Praise God. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you, Father God, that the, the word of God is truth. We thank you, Father God, that you are working it in us and through us. Lord, I just bless you and thank you for the work that you've completed in Christ. And you did it for me. You did it for us. As many as name him, we don't have to deal with the trash. We don't have to deal with the garbage. We don't have to deal with the problems. We can rise above them. In fact, we already have been raised above them. We give you thanks and praise for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said...
Amen. Well, praise God for the word. Amen.